0: awake, staring at a harsh light, breathing hard, trapped. He tried to raise his arm, but it felt weird and heavy. A claustrophobic plastic sarcophagus. Icy. Cold. Panic. He started to thrash, desperate to get air into his lungs. Free himself from this box, his warm breath condensing in wet clouds on the cold plastic. Suddenly just as he thought he could no longer bear it. His temples, hammering. There was a whirr and a click, and the lid began to slowly slide back. The air was a little fresher, a little warmer. He sucked it in, tried to calm himself. Relax. Relax, fucking relax. He intoned to himself, feeling his pulse lessen. As the lid finished retracting, He finally felt calmer and mustered enough strength to sit upright and look around. He was in a small room with another of the odd plastic caskets alongside. He scratched his head. His scalp was rough and he had a stubbly beard, clearly not trimmed for a while. Where the fuck am I? He muttered to himself, unable to remember anything. His name. What he did how he came to be in this room he was shivering hard now dressed as he was only in utilitarian great trousers and a long sleeved shirt he realized he was hungry too like he hadn't eaten in a year it would have been easy just to sink back into the box and do nothing or yell impotent rage at the four grey walls of the room but somehow he found the energy to pull himself partially out Before he could clear the casket, though his legs gave way and he fell awkwardly onto the grated metal floor, time went by, whilst he lay there gradually warming up, the blood pumping in his ears, desperately trying to remember anything about his past. But his mind was just a sleepy fog. There were no answers to be found. Eventually hunger and desperation drove him to stand and to try to find something to eat. Curiosity made him first look into the other casket. It was an identical one to his own, with weird electronic panels and screens that made no sense to him. He felt almost afraid to look in, not knowing what he might see. But when he did, he found himself looking at a middle-aged woman, seemingly in a deep sleep or trance. She had similarly cropped hair, but where his was a fuzz on his scalp, hers was an inch or so in length, it almost suited her. Her features were not unpleasant, and he realized he'd been staring blankly at her for a while. What are we? Fucking Adam and Eve or something? He walked around the box, hunger temporarily forgotten, looking to see if he could figure out how to release the sleeping beauty. The illuminated panels and inscrutable interfaces were as nonsensical to him now as they had first been and he found himself muttering oaths under his breath. In the end, he just pushed any button that looked a likely contender, but nothing happened. Finally, his hunger gnawed at him again, and he realized that he'd have to venture out of this sparse chamber and try to find something to eat. The door of the room was much more prosaic than anything in it. Cheap. Aluminium and with a simple utilitarian door handle and a porthole window. He tried it with trepidation, but it opened without any trouble. Using the doorframe for support, he stepped out into an equally barren corridor. It stretched for maybe forty yards in each direction, before there was a blank wall at one end and another. Slightly more complex door at the other. On either side of the corridor were further doors like his own, for each side. He decided to use what little energy he could summon, to walk towards the end with the exit. This took him past the single pair of doors, and he peered in the little porthole window of the first one, to see a spookily familiar scene. Two plastic person-sized caskets in another starkly lit cabin. He couldn't tell if they had people in them, but there was nothing else of interest. Certainly no food, or anyone to help him. The window opposite had much the same scene, Only here the fluorescent light was on the blink and flickering in an uneven tempo. The whole thing was starting to freak him out. A corridor full of bodies with nothing moving or even any sound apart from a low hum that he couldn't really place. His energy was dropping again. And with no obvious sign of anything that he might be able to eat, he felt his panic start to rise. At that moment, there was a crash. And an audible cry of pain... He nearly jumped out of his skin, realizing that it had come through the open door to the room where he had just woken up. As quick as he could, he moved back to the doorway, stared wide-eyed into the room, where both caskets were now open. There was another moan, and he gingerly edged around his casket to see the woman slumped on the floor. They both stared at each other with seemingly equal panic. He spoke first. "'Are you okay?' And then when she didn't reply, he added, Do you understand me? At this, she nodded and reached out a hand. Help me up. She croaked hoarsely. He shuffled to comply. Sometime later, with no clocks or watches, it was hard to know exactly how long. The two of them made their way back, out into the corridor and towards the exit door. They had exchanged what little information they had, which was really not much at all. Neither could remember their name or situation. The building also remained a mystery. The door at the end of the corridor was more robust than the cubicle ones, with a numeric pad to open it. But this was unnecessary as the door was slightly ajar, and a simple push opened it fully. It led into an octagon-shaped room, much bigger than the original cabin. In the center was a refactory-style table, bolted to the ground, with four metal seats built in. They were padded and clearly designed for comfort more than anything they had seen so far. Every other side of the room contained one of the more complex electronic doors. The other four sides contained three bays with utilities. Washbowl, kitchen-style equipment, including what could be a microwave oven and a prosaic institution-style coffee percolator. The final side had a pair of sliding doors that drifted open automatically when they approached Ignoring this for now, he desperately opened doors and looked amongst the utensils. (sighs) Got to be some bloody food here somewhere, he muttered. He tried to tap on the sink and water poured forth. He cupped his hands to scoop it desperately into his dry mouth.
1: I recognize this,
0: called the woman from another bay.
1: I think it's a food printer.
0: I must have used one before. He stumbled over to her water dripping off his beard onto the front of his shirt. Bloody print me something, then! She did as he demanded, pressing buttons without too much hesitation. And in short order, a gently steaming bowl of something vaguely edible was handed to him. Without waiting to find a spoon, he greedily stuffed handfuls into his mouth. It tasted pleasant enough, if bland, and he felt a shudder of relief pass through him. After this, he finally took the time to locate a spoon from a metal drawer and slumped down at the table. She continued to operate the machine and more bowls were placed on the table. Then, once it was deemed enough, she sat to eat with him, although her hunger did not seem to match his. Where is this place? Where the fuck is everyone? He muttered between mouthfuls. Wish I knew. She replied, looking around.
1: Institution of some sort? hospital, perhaps?
0: (laughs) Weird hospital. She didn't contradict him. Once his appetite was satisfied, he looked towards the sliding doors. What's through there, do you think? She shrugged. Only one way to find out. He pulled himself up and walked towards the door, which obligingly slid aside to reveal another corridor with more doors, this time in a less regimented layout. He opened a couple to find a dormitory with four beds, unmade and clearly used. Another had a shower and a toilet area. The last one he tried was a store cupboard with all kinds of practical offerings, neatly labeled and stacked. Although it seemed to have been obviously inhabited not too long ago, they found no other living souls.
1: There's nobody here.
0: It was the woman who spoke.
1: If this is a hospital, then where are the staff?
0: He scratched his head, whilst examining a stack of bed linen. Mm. We need to think! He banged his head with his hand. Why can't we remember anything? Perhaps someone else has woken up and we should go look. He nodded. It was worth checking. Perhaps another waker's memory would be fresher. He still wasn't quite feeling right, so she had to help him as they headed back to the corridor, which was the only door that appeared to be unlocked. Ignoring the door with the flickering light, they tried the door opposite, and it opened as easily as Thayer's hat. At this point, she held back. He realized she seemed nervous. He girded himself and walked towards the nearest casket. Don't worry, it's just a person, he mumbled. Not sure if he was trying to reassure her or himself, but as he approached the casket, he realized straight away something wasn't right. For a start, all the panels were dead, no lights or readouts. There was a strange, evil smell. He peered cautiously into the casket and immediately recoiled in horror, holding back an urge to vomit. This box was full of a foul-smelling water and floating up against the top panel was a bloated and clearly very dead body, so mangled and discolored that it was impossible to tell if it had been a man or a woman.
2: Fucking hell!
0: He stumbled back and threw up his recently digested food.
1: (coughs) Corpse!
0: He spat. She moved past him and looked, seemingly less affected, although she covered her nose and mouth with her sleeve. Ugh, you're right, she acknowledged. What do you think happened? Recovering his footing, he stood up and, despite his great misgivings, moved back to take another look. <sighs> Equipment malfunction? As he peered over the casket, he found something odd. No, look here. He pointed halfway down. There's a fucking hole drilled in it. Some fucker poured water and it drowned them. She looked where he was pointing. Sure enough, there was a small hole only a millimeter or two across, but rough and clearly crudely drilled out. She didn't comment. Check the other one. She moved to comply and immediately her hand returned to her mouth.
1: Oh fuck, this one's the same, but it's not water, it's something else.
0: He hobbled over, and sure enough the casket was also full of fluid, this time smelling distinctly of bleach. The dead body was less decayed, but the face peeling and grim-looking. Once more the small, crudely drilled hole was visible. The smell was getting to him and he felt like he might throw up again. He was grudgingly impressed that she didn't seem so affected. I gotta get out of here! He growled, and she moved to help him out into the corridor again, propping himself against the wall and sucking in fresher air. (gasps) What happened, do you think?
1: Did someone kill them? I... I don't know... It's possible the holes were drilled to try to help them. Suck out the
0: fluid, perhaps. Ugh, was all he could muster in reply. It didn't feel right to him. It looked like some sort of weird killings. Too many questions. Why the holes? Why the two different fluids? Could it be a malfunction? And an aborted attempt to help? In which case, why drill the hole in the top? None of it added up to him. And he hated not knowing. He had to find out if any others died this way, so despite all the alarms in his head, he pulled himself upright, shrugged off her attentions, and walked into the next room alone. Once again, he was confronted by death. Only this time, both caskets had been burnt, the bodies inside charred and contorted, bone visible through blackened flesh. The room reeking of acrid flesh and plastic smoke.
1: "'Could still be a malfunction,'
0: muttered the woman from the doorway. "'Malfunction be fucked!' he pushed past her and went into the next room. More slaughter confronted him, but now there was no room for anything other than foul play. Two corpses strangled with belts. The next room, two with their throats cut. Blood splattered everywhere. Grim. Foul. Sickening. But he was beyond being sick. They'd left the room with the flickering light until last. He made his way back there, mind racing, his pulse back at its highest tempo. With great trepidation, but no hesitation, he made his way in. Unlike the other rooms, both caskets had their lids open and looked particularly sinister in the pulsing fluorescent light. He began to wish he'd found something from the storeroom to arm himself with as he approached the first box with extreme caution. Inside Was another body This one missing its entire head More blood pooled in the bottom of the casket The whole edifice blinking in and out of his vision With a light's arrhythmic flicker Making it look all the more sinister Almost alive Covering his mouth again more in utter horror Than feeling physically sick He moved to the second plastic casket And found it was completely empty In some ways That was even more creepy than the dead and mutilated corpses. I think we have a killer on the loose! He spat, turning back to the storeroom to look for weapons. Compliantly, she followed behind. After rummaging around in the various rooms to which they had access, they armed themselves with pipes and kitchen knives and holed up in the dormitory to take stock. In the end, though, there was nothing much they could really do. There was no sign of anyone alive. Just rooms full of corpses and no sounds apart from the ominous low hum. He laid down on the lowest bunk with a guttural sigh and was surprised that she joined him there. He was still wary of possible killers lurking, but the touch of a woman's body was enough to relax him. They tried to make love, but it was jarring and felt weird to him. In the end, tiredness got the better of them both. And they curled up and fell into a fidgety, sweaty sleep. He awoke with a start to the sound of an alarm in a computer generated woman's voice intoning
2: Pressure drop in zone 14. Pressure drop in zone 14.
0: Followed by the alarm again. He came fully awake and, realizing he was still undressed, scrabbled around for his clothes. The woman was nowhere to be seen as the alarm continued chiming relentlessly. As he tugged on his thin trousers, he realized that in time with the alarm, there were lights in the floor pulsing towards the door. Fully dressed, he looked around for the pipes and knives they'd purloined before, but couldn't see any around. The alarm continued to sound
2: Pressure drop in zone 14. Pressure drop in zone 14. Pressure drop in zone 14. Pressure drop. drop. "'In Zone 14. Pressure drop in 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 Zone 14.' 14.
0: "'Chanted the robot voice. He stepped out of the room to see that the light lines in the floor continued down the corridor. "'It was obviously meant to be followed, although he wished he could find one of his weapons.' And where was the woman? Had the killer taken her as they slept? His skin crawled at the thought, still a little drowsy. He followed the lights in the floor like a rabbit, mesmerized by a poacher's lap, rubbing his eyes. As his brain spanned, trying to work out what was going on. A door that towards the end of the corridor that had previously been locked was now open, and the illuminations indicated he should go that way. He stumbled on, and continued to do as the lights compelled him. Another corridor, another open door, then a right turn, and the voice at its most insistent.
2: Pressure drop in Zone 14. 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 14. Pressure drop in Zone 14. Pressure drop in Zone 14. Pressure drop in Zone 14.
0: Following the lights, he turned right to find a dead end curtailed with a locked door, and what appeared to be, to his eyes at least, a window to the outside world. The first such thing he'd seen since he woke up. Drawn inexorably towards it, he realized that it was pitch black outside. So perhaps it was night, or they were underground somewhere. He pushed his face up to it, trying to peer out and fathom where he was. All he could see was a million pinpricks of light, stars. So it was night. As he continued to stare, a face suddenly appeared in the window, banging against it and making him stumble back and lose his footing. It had piercing dead eyes, seemed to be floating like it was underwater. Behind him he heard a click, and looked around to see that the door through which he'd entered was now firmly shut. The alarm that had been a constant until now stopped abruptly, and the ever-present hum was audible again. Scrambling backwards across the floor he stared at the window, But the dead face had floated back out of sight. He was backed up right against the shut door now, and, as fear shuddered through him, he slowly stood up and fumbled for a door handle. There was none to be found. It was one of the electronic doors with a keypad and no obvious way to release it. He banged his arm against the wall in frustration. Then another voice broke the silence. Listen carefully, fuckface. It was the woman but the voice had a metallic edge coming through some sort of communication panel next to the keypad for the door. There's another body out there! He wailed, pointing towards the window at the far end.
1: Shut up and listen! If you want half a chance to live, you stupid fuck!
0: She sounded angry and forceful. Not at all like his impression of hers so far. He couldn't think of anything to say, so saved his breath.
1: That's better... Now, this game is fairly simple, so even a numbnuts like you might get it. I drilled a hole in the wall. It's leaking air, but not quickly as it's very
0: small. I marked it. Take a look. He did as she suggested, and sure enough, there was a smeared handprint in what was almost certainly blood on the wall. He moved over to it, bent his ear so he could hear the low hiss of escaping air.
1: There's a rag at your feet.
0: Put it over the hole. Looking down, he found a bloody rag at his feet, some synthetic material. He picked it up and put it over the hole. The hiss of the leaking air ceased. Now look back this way. Keeping his hand where it was, he looked back to see her staring at him through a small porthole in the main door, her expression leering and wild eyed
1: You're not in a hospital or a bunker, you're in a spaceship, a fucking prison sleep-ship, as it goes, taking anyone in the government fancies into permanent exile in the colonies. Do fucking what?! He growled. Shut the fuck up, or I won't tell you how you can save yourself.
0: He didn't reply.
1: That's better. You're on a fucking prison ship. Although, God knows why, you're only a fucking poet or something. Political prisoner, I guess. At least that's what the wardens told me before I dumped them out of this airlock.
0: But you were in the casket next to me, so you must be... A much worse
1: fucker than you. Sliced my own family up, or something. Shame I don't remember.
0: <laughs> she chuckled to herself.
1: Of course, I just lay back in there whilst you defrosted so I could fuck with you.
0: What about the empty casket? You met him. She pointed to the window opposite.
1: Bouncing around outside on a tether. I chucked him out of this airlock a week ago. Thought it would be fun. But it was boring as fuck. That's why I came up with this game. What game? Shut up and I'll tell you. Right, so there's a hole in the wall that's leaking air. But as long as you hold that rag over it, the air won't escape. Now look at the door. The door panel needs a number code to let you out. Four digits, I think. If you can guess it, you get another chance to live. But you've only got as long as there's air that's left. And there's not much. So make your choice. Fucking bitch! True enough. Good game though, right?
0: (laughs) She banged her forehead against the window and laughed with a weird, deranged cackle.
1: And by the way, this bitch's name is Tyra. It does come back to you after a day or so. Remember that name. I'll be back from time to time to see how you're getting on.
0: With that, she disappeared from the window, but promptly reappeared again, eyes still staring madly.
1: Oh! And you're a lousy fuck, too.
0: And with that, she was finally gone. Raging madly, he stormed towards the door, pounded furiously against it. But this had no effect other than hurting his arms. In vain hope, he tried a couple of combinations on the keypad with no luck. For all he knew, it was a three- or five-digit code anyway. She was just playing with him. He yelled again and hit his head against the panel. At the moment, he realized that he could indeed recall his name. It was Eugene. He slumped to the floor and laughed crazily to himself. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell, Eugene. (laughs) You're fucked. But the only response was the slow hiss of air leaking
2: into the vacuum.